Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Yeah. Well, hey, um, again, I'm Nathan. I'm the campus minister with RUF. It's great to be back. And uh, if this is your first time joining us, uh, we do this every Tuesday. And we're really uh, excited about a new series. I want to kind of give an introduction. It's going to be a little shorter talk tonight, um, just to give you a little taste of what we'll be talking about all semester. But um, it's a series on relationships. And I think it only is appropriate to have uh, just several different perspectives give not only their own wisdom, but also drawing from uh, the, the river of all wisdom, the source of all wisdom, which is the word of God. And we're going to have several different guest speakers, uh, including some familiar faces. Uh, so Matt Warren, we already talked about March 14th. He'll be our guest speaker for our normal uh, meetings on Tuesday nights. Uh, the middle is Catherine Cook. Uh, she will be coming in April. Uh, really excited about her talk. She's on staff with RUF at Harvard. So there are multiple chapters uh, of this ministry uh, around the city uh, and in the world, actually. Um, so she'll be coming from Harvard. Uh, Josh Case is actually a lecturer over in the, uh, I think, biomedical engineering uh, program. So you may be in a class with him. Who knows? Uh, but he's going to come talk to us twice. Uh, he'll be here next week. And then he's going to come back uh, and give another talk as well. Uh, that's me, uh, Serena, you already met. Uh, she's going to talk to us as well. And then Jimmy uh, is going to talk to us a couple times as well. Jimmy, Serena, and I are full-time staff here with RUF at BU. Uh, so just wanted to give you a preview on that. The series title is, um, as I think this slide showed, Wisdom for Relationships. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of different kinds of relationships. We're going to be talking about a relationship with God relationship with family, several weeks on friends. Uh, and don't worry, we're going to get to dating, we're going to get to sex, we're going to get to marriage, uh, and all of that. So it's going to be really great. There's going to be opportunity for discussion, questions. And actually, at the end of this talk, uh, when we break out into little groups, we're going to have note cards where you can write kind of what's on your mind and heart in terms of these, these broad categories of relationships. What are the burning questions that you have uh, about how to navigate relationships, whether you're a Christian or not? Uh, what wisdom can we glean from God's word? Uh, so do stick around and we'll fill out those note cards. Yeah, so what we do here is uh, we give a little talk, but as, as we're talking about relationships, I feel like if you don't know me, maybe I'll just share a little bit about myself. Uh, I, I grew up in Decatur, Georgia. Does anyone, has anyone ever heard of Decatur, Georgia? All right, all right, a couple people. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of an inner suburb, suburb of Atlanta. A lot of music has come out of there, so uh, you probably know some musicians uh, from, from Decatur, R.E.M., Ludacris, uh, Outkast, like all kinds of good stuff came out of Decatur, Georgia. Um, and I moved up here about 12 years ago uh, to go to grad school, to do seminary met my wife. Uh, she's from here. She grew up here her whole life, went to college up here. And we now have two kids. Uh, Ward is three and a half. Henry is about to turn two in March. And so hopefully one day you'll get to meet uh, all three of them. So that's my family. Um, and I've been a campus minister here. This is my ninth year, and I've really enjoyed it. 
And this is actually the second time we've done this series. And none of you guys will remember that. That's probably a good thing <laughs> because uh, it was a few years ago. And I think I, think I personally have learned a lot about relationships uh, since then. But it is just so relevant uh, to life as a college student. We do it in a cycle every four years. Uh, so if you stick around, if you want to do a grad program here, who knows, maybe we'll hear it twice. Um, so let's, let's dive right in. Over the weekend, I became aware that my version of indie rock is considered not modern. Uh, it's considered, I guess, old or ancient, maybe, or traditional indie rock. Uh, but I, I once saw this, one of my favorite bands, on a list of dad rock. So, so that's me. Uh, the band's called War on Drugs. Uh, kind of a weird band name, but... Uh, it's Dad Rock, so I'm going to be mentioning them a couple times just in case you're looking for a new album to spin. Uh, right? Vinyl? Anybody? Uh, so this is Dad Rock. Um, it's not modern, I learned. They have this line in one of their songs that stood out to me. When you feel alone, can you really feel alive? When you feel alone, can you really feel alive? Since this album came out, I've just spun it so many times. It's when I go out to like shovel snow, I turn this album on. I was walk, taking a walk today. I was like listening to this album. Uh, I think it's such a profound uh, truth about humanity. Can we fully be alive? Can we fully be human and be alone at the same time? Can we fully uh, live into what it means to be a person made in the image of God and not have any relationship with anyone else. Being alone is not a new thing. Uh, we've always sung about it. Eleanor Rigby, the Beatles, uh, it's, it's something that we've sung about, talked about, written poetry about. Uh, but its origin, it might surprise you. It started in paradise. In the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam, he had said about everything that he created, it was good, it was good. He created Adam, it was very good. But then he says something's not good. What does he say? He says, it is not good that man be alone. Now, just think about this for a minute. God is perfect. He's the creator of all things. There's nothing in him that is, that is imperfect, uh, that's partial, uh, that's in process. Uh, the holy, good God who is love, who is the inventor of relationships. He created Adam and he said, it's not good that he was alone. So as you know, he created Eve and from Eve came a family, the family of humanity. When I was a freshman in college, I'm going to tell a little story. When I was a freshman, I lived in a dorm. I went to Clemson University. It's, it used to be a military school. It's no longer anymore. It's more known for college football uh, and other things. But um, I lived in the old barracks, and so it was like one-inch thick walls. I only, I only say this because you could hear everything, and it was also very just like dismal, kind of like depressing building. It meant, had meant to be like temporary and torn down, but they kept it up. And so, of course, I lived on a hall of freshman guys, 
and they were immature in ways that you might expect. And so at Clemson, it was like Thursday through Saturday night. Those were the nights that everyone went out partying. And my uh, experience of those nights, you might have guessed, I wasn't out partying. I was, while everyone was out, I was there on many occasions, not every night, on many occasions I was there alone in my dorm room. Looking back now, I can see how that this was my first experience of ever feeling alone, of ever feeling the void of relationship in my life. So what had been my experience the first 18 years was a very close-knit home. I was like best friends with my siblings. Uh, I would share pretty much everything with them. And I was one of those kids who shared like everything with their parents too. Like we were tight. My friendships outside of the home, I just didn't have a lot of drama. I didn't. I didn't know what it was like to, to move. I never moved. I didn't know what it was like to lose a friend. And actually, I didn't even know what it was like to choose friends. They just all seemed to kind of fall in my laps, or maybe I just like took what I could get. You know, so this was the first time that I realized I was alone, but it was also that I had never had to admit that I needed anyone. I never had to realize that's not good for anyone to be alone. Maybe I was sitting alone because I was too prideful to admit that I needed anyone. This semester, we're going to go through a series on the topics of uh, relationships of all sorts, but I wanted to introduce by just saying relationships are not an optional part of life. This is not something we can opt into or opt out of. No man is an island, as they say, but it's at the core of what it means to be human. See, Nathan, freshman, sitting alone in his dorm room, wishing he was with a friend. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. To desire that, if that's where you are, you wish you had friendships that were deep and meaningful. If you feel alone, God made you to not be alone. That's a good thing. That's why we're going to dive right in and say, okay, what does it look like to pursue good relationships, to sustain good relationships? What does it even look like to maybe even end a relationship or to push through and reconcile when something hard has happened? You see, that, that's the problem. Like A lot of us opt out of relationships because people hurt us and we hurt people. And we need wisdom. We need someone who's had more experience than ourselves. Frankly, we need to go to the one who designed relationships in the first place. So I want to do that now. Each week, we're going to have a portion of scripture that we reflect on. We just heard it read, Cole read from John 15. So I want to read from this one because I think it sets the stage for a series on relationships. What I want to focus on is love. It probably doesn't surprise you. 
talk about relationships. We're going to talk about love. We're talking about love and it's kind of manifold different meanings, right? We're not just talking about romantic love, but love between friends, love between uh, people and God, love between a family. And love is, when it comes down to it, it's, it's more valuable than all riches in life. It's more valuable than any power that we could gain in the world. There's nothing truer to our nature as humans than to love and to be loved. So whether you're a thick-skinned gym rat, whether you're a softy, romantic, or anything in between, love is what we want. Without a doubt, it's critical to any relationship. But what is love? I'm not going to finish the line of that song. (laughs) Jesus, a first century Jew from modern day Palestine, he sat down to a meal with his closest friends and he gave them a lot of wisdom. He says this, he says, love one another as I have loved you. That might sound very familiar to you. Uh, It might sound very nice and pleasant, unoffensive, according to a certain definition of love. I think many of us could walk out of here and feel encouraged to go and love because Jesus has commanded it, right? But that's not where it stops. It says, um, the next sentence in verse 13, Jesus continues, he says, greater love. He says, go and love But then he defines the type of love that he's talking about. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Okay, oof. Now we're getting serious. He's just raised the bar on love. This kind of love requires all. It's not minimalistic. It's not perfunctory. It's not vaguely defined It's a greater love than we first imagined. It's sacrificial love. It means giving up your life for another. Now, at this point, maybe this is how you know Christianity to be setting these big standards, raising the bar higher than anything you could ever achieve, and you walk away discouraged. You walk away full of shame. But the story goes on. Jesus, then, among his friends, uh, hours, maybe minutes later, is betrayed by one of them. And he's arrested, and he's tried, and he's beaten, and he's crucified. This is the kind of love he was not only talking about and commanding, he was demonstrating for those he loved This was the cost. I think we we don't typically associate cost with love, but let's think about it for a minute. Uh, We do cost-benefit analysis all the time when it comes to relationships. Um, You could think of it like, you know, each relationship comes to kind of a fork in a road where you have to decide, is this worth the cost? Here's some examples. There's a friend that keeps wanting to hang out It needs me to listen to them complain about their struggles. They just texted me. They want to get coffee. Do I accept this invitation 
Do I pun it and say I'm too busy? Or do I just completely ghost them and try to avoid them? It's so exhausting when I have so much going on myself. Maybe you've been at that fork. Here's another fork in the road. My parents want me to visit them all the time. They want to come and visit. But I'm so busy with school and work that I'll get too far behind if I take that time off to see them. Another one. There's this guy who sits alone in the back of the classroom. He always has his headphones in. There's this group of guys that seem pretty cool. They seem like they're having fun. I have a choice. Do I go talk to them? Or do I go talk to this guy who's sort of weird and maybe a little bit uncomfortable? That's the fork in the road we face, right? How many of you guys have been in that kind of situation? We count the cost. What is it going to cost me if I do something when I feel like I don't have enough to give? You see, the, the way we think about love is we think of it as a zero-sum game. Right? Uh, there's only so much to go around. If I give some, I sacrifice some for myself and vice versa. And therefore, we feel incredible guilt when someone sacrifices for us. Like, oh, you just gave it all away to me. Like, oh, I must give it back to you. Right? There's a scarcity and poverty mentality when it comes to love. Maybe you grew up in a home where it felt like love or I love you was this golden ticket that you only got maybe couple times a year and you had to earn it those three words you had to earn every single time you heard it it felt scarce it felt scarce but Jesus has another definition of love Jesus says greater love has no one than this than someone laid down his life for her for his friends and minutes later he goes and he does that He lays down his life. It cost him everything. The story of the cross is well known. Christianity is known for the symbol of the cross, but let's not forget the outcome of his death led to his resurrection and the gift of eternal life to all those he would call to himself. What this says is that his love, this kind of love, this sacrificial love, it's not negation. It's not just nihilistic, you know, he's, he's dying and he's never coming back. No, this is a love that is exponentially generative to build up more and more and more love for eternity. Only God can do this. Only God can give us the power to love in this way. And in, in him, the God who is love, there are infinite resources to love sacrificially, to love your friends, to love your enemies, those who betray you, to love the weird guy on the back row. Jesus not only commands this, he empowers it. He demonstrates it by his own life, death, and resurrection. And then he gives us the spirit to be able to go and lay our lives down for others. And that's not a giving up. That's a gain. That's a generative, exponential, infinitely abounding love 
that fills the universe. The bedrock of relationships that embody this kind of love is God. God who first loved us, who chose us, who called us. And guys, he says, you are my friends. You are no longer my servants, but I have called you friends. He has chosen to enter into a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He doesn't want you to be his servant. He wants you to be his friend. I think a lot of times we we think of it as if we each have like a solo cup. And and maybe your your, your glass is half empty or it's half uh, full. But we all only have a certain amount of love to give, right? If we give a little, we're losing a little. And we have to take from someone else. What God calls us into, he calls us into the stream of living water himself. The spirit is called the river of life. And this river of life never runs dry. It is abounding and it will fill our cup to overflowing where it's all we can do to give it away. In this cup half full scarcity mentality to ask others to love sacrificially. That's, that's pretty bleak. It's pretty hard. But to love in this way, this good news, there's infinite potential here. Back to my dad rock album. Uh, there's another song, you know, well, they have this great line. There's this other song that happens to be like the main single of the album where it says, we're just walking through this darkness on our own. I think the anthem is trying to get us to be encouraged, like, hey, we're all going through hard stuff together. But I think there's more comfort in knowing that we are going through darkness, but we're not alone. God is with us. He has befriended us. He's given us others those in this room, to be with you if you're going through darkness. He's given us the gift of relationships. Throughout the semester, this will be a common theme, returning back to God to give us wisdom, not only wisdom, but power for relationships. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you loved us so much that you gave your life for us. We are amazed that you call us to go and do the same. Lord, what would this campus look like if we get away from the scarcity mentality and we just feel like we're abounding and I love yous? Lord, change us, change this campus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.